race. I don't think anybody really expects us to do anything, so we still do carry that nature of surprise. Hey, podcast listener, you're listening to the Semi Pro Cycling Podcast. The weekly podcast where we discuss all the issues that cyclists talk about. Whether you're out training, commuting, or just riding around, sit down and listen in, because we're about to begin. I got something to say, man. Yo, welcome to episode 40 of the Semi-Pro Cycling Podcast, where we believe that only a semi-pro cyclist rides for love and not money. If you stick around to the end, I'll fill you in on the quote from the top of the show and let you know who's riding for the team that no one expects to do anything. BMC. Hey there, semi-pros. My name is Damien Roos. I'm the founder of Semi-Pro Cycling, home of the Semi-Pro Cyclist. And a very quick review, but I do thank you, Mr. Bike Guy 6. Great info, lots of great info and interesting topics. Thank you very much for taking the time to do that. I really appreciate it. And if you really do like the show as well, you can drop an iTunes review. It does mean the world to me. You can also check me out on Instagram so you can see where I'm riding, but I also love checking out what other people are doing, especially if it's a place I haven't been or a type of riding that I'm not into because it really just opens up my world a little bit more. I get excited every time I fire up Instagram just to see what's cranking on Instagram. You can just find me under my personal name at Damien Roos. So the news this week and Amstel Gold, how can you not love the Spring Classics, how can you not love the Ardennes Classics? They have delivered with the Amstel Gold. Absolutely killer race. I don't know what it was. Is it the lack of Cancellara, the lack of one big favourite that was going to stand out with amazing form in the year? Because it just seemed that there was so much action constantly happening during Amstel Gold that it made the race very exciting to watch. Not to mention the end. The last five kilometres or so, were superb. Well, let's talk from the last seven kilometers. That's when Roman Kruziger, 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 Kruziger got away. He absolutely rode a perfect race and all hats off to him. It was the race that was going on behind him that was floating my boat and I got totally excited. Gilbert made the breakaway. He kicked and he did get a bit of a gap. Gerens was on his wheel for a little while. Valverde was there. Valverde came around and tried to shake Gerens, but he couldn't do it. In the end, Valverde had it for second, so he beat Gerens to the line coming in third, and I've got to say, it really is looking good for this weekend. If you want to take a look at a better perspective on the Amstel Gold Race, I really would check out this week's How the Race Was Won. It was another stellar job by Cosmo. This guy is a gun when it comes to putting together this information, and I highly recommend you check it out. I've got the link in the show notes. And I just wanted to make one funny mention. Have you been riding and putting your head down and imagining that you're Cancellara this week? I don't know about you, but every time I either hit rough stuff or I'm doing a hard effort, I just channel Cancellara, putting it down, putting the power down, and I'm absolutely loving it. It's a bit of pro cycling nerd talk there, but it totally consumes me and I'm a big fan of it. Let me know if you do the same thing. The other thing I wanted to talk about, this week, Shram came out with 22 or number 22... Group set 22, I forget exactly what the name is, but it's opened up the great break debate. And yes, it has been happening in cyclocross for a little while. And I don't want to get into that because it seems like there's a whole other history that's linked to that. And it really, cyclocross isn't my forte, so I don't want to talk about it. But what about taking discs to the pro road peloton? 
what really are the factors to consider here and do you think it's a good idea? It seems like it's inevitable with the big boys starting to make the moves and now we've got UCI into the conversation because it starts to become a reality when there's actually a group set that could be used tomorrow in the Pro Peloton. It seems at this stage the UCI is taking a very cautious approach to it. I feel the Shrams just made this move because they don't have an electric group set, so they've had to do something. But saying that, there is the Shimano version that I have seen, and I just I don't know whether Campag would do it. It would kind of kill their whole vibe. But, you know, they're still modern in the way that they do things, and they have got an electric kit, so you can never rule anything out. The UCI won't commit until... There's an analysis of temperature, performance, and crash test data that's given to them by the actual companies that are producing these brakes at the moment. For me, my gut feeling is that disc brakes on road bikes are overkill, but I kind of thought that when it came to mountain bikes years and years ago when there was the switch over from V-brakes. i got to say the exception, though, I really feel that braking is so poor on carbon rims, even under the best conditions, that disc brakes would be welcome here, totally welcome, just to give a bit of consistency and you don't have to go out changing your pads if you're changing wheels or you don't have to worry about them not working in the wet. I don't care about the aesthetics of throwing some disc brakes on a sexy road bike. It's taking me some time to come across to the SRAM levers though. They're really funky looking. It's interesting that the UCI has noted that they are looking at the size of these levers because they don't want them to become another aero advantage, which is very interesting because I'm sure now you grab the top of your hoods where they have the mechanism that's in the SRAM lever, and if it was the case that you started grabbing there as a permanent thing, then it's going to be more like the Chinelli bars that they used to have, those small aero bars where you're grabbing something for an aero advantage and you're not near the brakes, and so that's where danger is going to happen, especially when you're in a bunch. So watching that is very interesting. And the other concern of UCI, which was very surprising to me, but does make some sense, is that they're worried about the heat of the discs when you're coming down in a crash and whether that's got the potential to burn somebody in a crash. It may be a little bit of bullshit, but there is a slight bit of merit to thinking like that because you've got to protect the people that are riding these bikes So outside of SRAM, we have Shimano, and Shimano's version, slightly more elegant because they don't have the shifting junk in their lever because of the electric kit, but still a little funky. I don't know. It's going to have to grow on me because right now it's not love at first sight. The other thing about the SRAM launch this week was related to the brakes, the hydraulic rim brakes that they've released. I'm sure they're going to be hitting the Peloton soon, so we'll keep an eye out for that. Let me know what your thoughts are. I'm interested whether it's going to bug you aesthetically, whether you you don't see the need for them, or you just don't want to fork out for some more innovations that really aren't 100% necessary. The nuts and bolts this week, cleaning. I know it's been done to death, but I wanted to go through my cleaning process to see if there was anything that you could pick up. And I kind of wanted to consolidate the information that was out there to make a slight split from the way that people push washing a bike like a pro. I don't necessarily agree with the way pro mechanics do it because they are the ones that are servicing the bike. So they can get out the high pressure wash and jam it over the bottom bracket or the hubs or whatever. And then they'll do a service at the end of a tour or whenever they do their services. So it's a little bit different to the person that's just doing it at home. And so I wanted to go through it. I wanted to do a bit of a search of the tools, the essentials, and just get down to the nitty gritty of cleaning a bike. 
I hate it and I wish, and I was thinking about this just the other day, the next person, if I ever get in a position to hire someone, it's going to be to do a weekly clean of my bike because I personally hate it, especially when it's cold. But there is definitely a quick and easy wipe down that occurs for me after nearly every ride. I only say that because, of course, there are times when I just throw my bike against the wall and I don't think about it. But outside of that, Mr. Cycling Tips gave the recommendation of baby wipes several years ago now, and I've been using this tip, and it is killer. It is absolutely killer. I do know that there's a whole bunch of cycling-specific wipes that have come out since I started using baby wipes, but i got to say, I don't feel that there's any need to go beyond a baby wipe. It seems perfect. Just your cheapest brand has enough stuff on it to clean down and wipe down your frame, and pretty much, if I got caught in the rain, baby wipes could get rid of it enough to get me through the next ride, which is saying a lot, especially if you're soaked in and all you want to do is go and have a shower. But for your fortnightly bite wash, yes, I say fortnightly. Some people are super keen and watch every week or pretty much if you're doing a major wash, you probably just get to the point where you're like, okay, I know my bike is absolutely filthy. It's an embarrassment. I've just got to do something about this. Other than that, just keeping on top of maintenance and just cleaning that chain out, especially where I am because of the sand that keeps getting in my chain and making that crunching, crackly, annoying sound. I can feel that my chain rings and cog just dying under this extra abrasiveness. But be gentle when you do it. It's very easy to get annoyed or get into some groove and force things along because as soon as I do that, I lose some part of my skin or nails and I hate it and it absolutely stings when it's cold. So my first tip is really just be gentle when you're approaching this. Get a podcast on, get some music happening, get yourself all set up, your mise en place for your cleaning, get everything down in front of you and have the right tools for the job. So what are the right tools for the job? Well, the essentials that I've got down are, oh, I've got a stand on the list here, but I I can't say that a stand is necessarily a 100% essential, especially when there are clotheslines around. But I've got to say, something that lifts the bike off the ground is essential because you want to get both wheels off when you're cleaning. Otherwise, it's not going to be a thorough clean, especially when it comes down to the chain and the cassette and all that stuff. But the stand, the stand I recommend is a bottom bracket and fork clamp stand. They're really the business, and yes, the pro mechanics do it, and this is one recommendation that I stand behind, no pun intended, because when you're clamping carbon bikes, clamping on the seat post and yanking and moving it around, you just don't have that freedom. Plus, if you can spin the thing around so you can do both sides while you're standing still, it saves so much energy. It takes the pain of the ass out of cleaning And the second essential, I really do think it's essential, even though you've got to go out of your way to get this. It's a chain holder or otherwise known as a sleeping hub. There's a really expensive one that's pretty sexy from B1 from We Are Butter. I got the link in the show notes. You can check it out. But this is just enabling you to get that chain around while you're degreasing it. And so you're not leaving it on the frame and scratching the frame up or whatever. It just gives you that freedom to move the chain around freely and get in on four angles of the chain that you need to get in to clean it with the greaser. And you're going to want a bucket and some type of cleaning agent. Dishwashing liquid is what I currently use. In the past, I have used this thing and Australians can get hold of it. I don't know if it is elsewhere, but CT18 truck wash, which is just a monster truck wash. And there's a couple of ways that you can apply it, but basically just putting it in the bucket with water is really going to be the easiest way. A sponge, which is also replaceable for a strong dishcloth, a 
lint-free strong dishcloth, preferably. You don't want to get lint all over your bike. This sponge will hold a bit more water, and if you rinse it, you can get away without a hose if you're cleaning as well. And brushes, two brushes, a long, thin brush so you can get in to the cassette and the hubs, and a short, stout brush. You can do your bar tape, and I would have a second one floating around so you can get in and scrub your chain and chain rings, etc., etc., a lint-free rag or towel, this is for the wipe down, and lint-free really is important. If we're talking lint-free, surgical rags, blue surgical cloth is probably the best thing to use. It's lint-free. It's not going to leave lint on your frame, which is super annoying and very un-semi-pro. T-shirts are also good. Towels, yes and no. I really don't recommend towels. Bonuses here, if you do have a mad setup, I would get a high-pressure hose connected to an air compressor so you can blow air to get all of the water out of the small small places when it comes to cleaning the bike. Now you've got the equipment all set up. It's in place. You're ready to go. I'm just going to go through the process I go through and talk you through how I clean my bike. All right, so now down to the nitty-gritty of how to actually do this. And step one, I remove all the accessories from my bike. So I get rid of all the biddens or whatever is sticking to the bike, including the computer. I forgot to take the computer off the other day, and it got some water in it, which is really, really annoying and quite frustrating. It ended up evaporating eventually, but it's something that you can easily avoid. So just take everything off, and I include the wheels in this, and after I've taken the wheels off, I go straight in and hose down the wheels with some water to try and get the first bit of gunk off. And then after I've done that, that's when I start to wipe down with just a clean rag, just to get any mud or anything before I go into actually scrubbing things down. And once I've done that first wipe, that's when I'll put some degreaser on the actual cassette and I'll get in there into the hub and everything. If there's any obvious greasy spots on the rims as well, I'll put it on the rims. And then I put the wheels to the side. So the degreaser has time to be able to soak in and do its magic. You've got to make sure that it's not going to eat aluminium though. This is the big trouble with degreaser. You've got to make sure you have a bike safe or a material safe degreaser. It's not going to damage carbon or it's not going to damage aluminium or steel or whatever the material you're using is. So make sure you check what that is. And as far as step two is concerned, that's when I get to the bike and I hose down the bike. So I hose down the bike so everything's wet and do the same thing. I wipe down with the clean cloth that's got nothing on it. I wipe all the big chunks of gunk off so I don't have to go in and find those when it's covered in soap suds. So once that's done, then I do degreaser and it's easy just to do degreaser, but I take a bit of time to thoroughly get it into all of the derailers and the chain and the chain rings. I move the chain up and down off the chain rings at the front so I can get in and around all of the teeth. Also, I will drop it on the brakes and I will move it around on the brakes. And once I've spent time working it into the chain and all the areas, then I'll leave that and go back to the wheels. So at this stage, I'll hose off the degreaser off the wheels so I can then start cleaning with the soap suds. If you have trouble with gunk coming off the cassette, that's when you can get the long brush in there. And the long brush can get between the sprockets in the cassette. That's going to be the easiest way you can get it. I've tried other ways as far as like turning over a piece of rag and trying to get it in there and move it around, but really it's just a pain in the ass. All you want to do is get in there and just move it around as much as possible. And the same thing with the hub. And then once that's done, you can hose that off and then it's a lot cleaner. So you can start with the sponge and soap and you don't have to worry about getting a lot of dirt and grease on the sponge because if you've got a white frame and bar tape like me, you're not going to want to get any extra greasy stuff on the sponge that's going to be cleaning your bike after this. So then I go, I clean the entire wheels, both wheels with the sponge and the soap 
and then I hose those off. I dry them off after that and I leave them on the side. So they're the first thing I can put in once I've finished cleaning the bike. I go back to the bike. Now with the bike, I've got degreaser on there. It's been working its magic. I hose down the degreaser off the bike. So if once I've hosed down the degreaser off the bike, I can start the process of using the sponge to clean the whole bike. What I do though, I start with the bar tape. I have white bar tape. It's the first time I've ever owned white bar tape, but I got to tell you, it's a real pain in the ass and I don't recommend it. But what I do with the bar tape, I put some detergent directly onto the bar tape and I use a small brush to scrub. I scrub whichever way. I don't really care because eventually I'm going to replace this bar tape and not put it on again. But you really just want to go back and forth instead of side to side because you don't want to get in and lift up the tape too much because it could compromise it and then it'll be coming off and unraveling. As far as cleaning, I just get in and scrub that. So then once that's done, I just let that sit and then I just move to the rest of the bike, starting from the top and working in the way down, getting in to all the little nooks and crannies. It's quite easy, especially with the big sponge. You're not damaging your hand, but I Yes, I do damage my fingers sometimes, but as far as getting in and around, it's quite easy and I can thoroughly do it and quite quickly once it's on the stand, flicking it around, doing it both sides. That's really, really easy way to do it. And as soon as that's done, start hosing from the top down. Make sure you get all of the stuff out of the bar tape because any soaps that get into the bar tape and you're riding, it can be really, really annoying. So just knock off that and especially watering down the hoods. Now, there is a lot of talk about high-pressure washers, and I've got to say, a high-pressure wash is the only way to do it. You've just got to remember, though, you're getting it done quickly now, but at some point, you have to make up for it later on. And what I mean by that is, if you're spraying down bottom brackets and hubs and headsets, anywhere that has grease and bearings that needs to be redone then you're going to have to spend some time later doing those. And that's what I meant at the start when I was talking about the way pro bike mechanics do it versus the way semi-pros should do it. It really comes down to how much you service your bike, how often you do it, whether you do it yourself. I have absolutely no problem with using a high-pressure wash and getting in there and getting the job done. I don't do any of the servicing personally myself. Well, I haven't up until now. But as far as doing the servicing, once my bike gets to a point where I feel like I've cleaned it too much, then it just goes to the bike shop for a full service. And that's the way that I've done it pretty much my entire riding career. So you just got to remember that compromise when it comes down to it. And if you don't want to go that way, then you can either use a clean bucket with the sponge just to wipe it down. You can use a hose under a lower pressure and there's no problems there. Still, you're going to need at some point to rebuild the bearings in a bottom bracket or a hub or depending on what you're using. But that is still going to happen at some point. It's just going to be less and you're going to be able to avoid taking the time to do that. That's my take on the high pressure wash. As soon as everything is washed down, then you can start to wipe down the bike. And this is where the bling air compressor would come in, where you would do all the little nooks and crannies in the, in the nuts and bolts everywhere, just to get rid of water that would be sitting in those. I don't have one where I currently am. I have had one in the past. I do think it's a pretty cool way to do it because it avoids any of the muck that's left by towels or cloths or whatever. And that's why I recommend a lint-free cloth because you can get over the, the majority of the bike without leaving any marks after that. A lot of people actually put some type of agent on top of the bike, like a clear coat or a like an armor all style thing. I don't bother with any of that. I just make sure that the bike is clean. Yes, there are other ways to do this and you can look into them, but I, I don't do it so you can recommend. One thing that I do do though is I have saddle polish or leather conditioner, which I put onto my saddle. I like having a slightly slippery saddle 
well, say that 10 times fast. I like having a slightly slippery saddle bleh, because it enables me to move around a lot easier on the bike when I'm getting down into an aero tuck, whatever position I'm doing or, or descending or, or whatever. So that's my preference. And you could take some time out to check out saddle polish. You can get it from a saddlery or a horse shop. It's my preferred way of getting it. Now, once you've dried the bike and it's all back together, that's when you can start to lube the chain. My favorite lube, which has been my favorite lube for four or five years now, I'll explain why in a moment, but it's Pro Gold. They just make the best lube. It's a dry lube, and I only use it for road bike use, but it's a lube that you put on, and it does take a bit of work. So you're putting it on and covering your entire chain, and sitting there for a minute at a time, winding the chain over so it, it really gets in there, but it gets in and pushes out all of the dirt that's inside the chain links themselves. So once you go around and you've done it for a minute, wipe down, and then you can feel whether there's still some gristle sitting in that chain. If there is, keep doing it. I tell you what, after two or three times, Pro Gold gets rid of everything and your chain essentially looks brand new, except for the little wear marks, but it is absolutely the best chain lube I've ever come across for a road bike and I highly highly recommend you check it out it seems like over the last two three years there have been a whole bunch of bike lubes exploding onto the market and I really haven't investigated because I feel like I found my ultimate lube it would only come down to if it wasn't available where I was what am I going to use and there are lots of options to do there are some great homemade recipes as well so that's pretty much it. You can get into cable lubing and minor maintenance tweaks on your derailers or whatever. But as far as the bulk of work, if everything's working after I finished with that, I just leave it. I don't bother with it. The only thing that I may do now, which I haven't done in the past, which is hopefully this is a reminder for you to do the same thing, is check over your bike for cracks. This is the best time to do it when you've got a little bit of time and the bike is clean and you can go through it. I wasn't the one that found it, but I recently had a crack on one of my rear carbon wheels. It was on a clincher carbon wheel and it could have blown out when I was riding. So luckily someone found it before it did cause a big problem. But this is the perfect time to just check over the bike to see what's going on. Also, you're going to want to have another check before you go riding to see those pesky little carbon creeks. I've had some carbon creeks on my bike this week that have been driving me crazy. And you're gonna wanna just hit some hot spots when it comes to carbon creeks. Maybe drop a bit of lube, maybe check that your pedals are lubed on the threads or your bottom bracket or the crank arm itself or seat post or, you know, who knows when it comes to creaky carbon bikes where the source of the creek is. Sometimes it can really be frustrating and drive you crazy when you're looking for it. And so this is another time just to check that if you have any common creaky spots that you just lube it and tighten it and make sure that it's done and it's not going to be an embarrassment when you're riding in the bunch next time. Okay, so is there anything I've missed? Or how do you clean your bike? I'm interested to find out the ways that you actually do it because... I've slowly adapted the way that I do this over the last 20 years or so, and it really is an art form. And once you have all the tools set up, it's no problem at all. Right now, I don't have all the tools, so it's a little bit of a pain in the ass when my bike's swinging off the clothesline, but it's still easy just to get it done when I have a spare moment every couple of weeks or so. But get in touch with any ideas that you can help 
add to this list the ultimate bike cleaning information list on the website. Moving on to the tech hacks and products section, I want to talk about something that is big in Japan. It's not obvious, but it's effective arm screens. They are super tacky. I don't know what you think about arm screens, but I do think they're tacky. But I tell you what, I must be getting old because I'm actually considering getting some. I don't know why. It's kind of a mix between looking at my arms and thinking the sun really is damaging them, or I'm just getting lazy as far as putting sunscreen on for every single ride. So I've looked into the alternatives, and it seems like they are expensive. So they're around the 45 US dollar mark. Rafa make a set, as do Panache, and I'm sure there are others, but these two are probably a good benchmark to base it off. Do you use them? I reckon you can get away with it while you're on your own, but the real test is going to be how everyone else thinks when you're riding in a bunch. Let me know, yes or no, should I get a pair? Am I going to compromise my style by getting a pair? And am I just old in that I'm looking for function over style? That quote from the top of the show, it's Dan Martin. The Irishman, he was fourth in yesterday's Fletch Wallone and fifth in last year's Lege. So I'm actually expecting big things from him this year. His team definitely needs a win. I can't say they're as bad as BMC when it comes to win per dollar ratio, but Garmin really have had a pretty poor start to the year. And I bet you they want to have some success in this classics campaign. Saying that though, for Lege, this week, Sunday, Lege Baston Lege is on Teller, and I really think Dan Martin is in with a chance. I don't think he'll win, though. I don't think he can come away with the win. Top three, maybe. My money is on Andy Schleck. Just kidding. Absolutely not on Andy Schleck. It's on Valverde. Valverde for the win. He came in in fifth or sixth in the flesh yesterday. He's been knocking on the door, and I reckon he is the one to watch this Sunday. I'm looking forward to it. I'll report on it next week. But for now, that's it. So till next week, get on your bike and enjoy the pain cave or the hurt box, whichever one you're into. (laughs) 